Hey, Whitewater friends and family, I just wanted to press pause for a moment and recognize that we're in the middle of a, a real cultural moment. And I just wanted to thank you for pressing into this tough but really important conversation on racial injustice and reconciliation. This conversation is, uh, I think, really unnecessary, but it's also uncomfortable for, for many people. And um, as Jesus followers, we, we don't want to be afraid to, um, to engage the things that Jesus engaged, to care about the things and the people that Jesus cared about. Um, we've been seeing some amazing things happen. We've been getting feedback from people who finally feel like they're heard, like you're, we're, I'm being listened to, fin finally feeling like they have a voice, feeling like they're cared for. And uh, people beginning to give Jesus a chance to uh, speak into their life where they've never allowed that before. We also know there's, um, there's a, a small amount of people that do feel that tension so much that they're maybe questioning their faith, questioning their faith family, maybe even wanting to um, separate from their faith family. And I just, I want to encourage you to, to, to press into the tension. Don't give in to the this or that us versus them mentality that the world wants us to buy into. That's demonic. Uh, the Bible teaches us in the book of James, and Paul writes about this as well, but where there is disunity, where there is disorder, there is demonic um, activity at work. Like brothers and sisters, even if we see things differently, even if we come from different backgrounds and strongly disagree, God can use that for our transformation. He can use that for our growth. This is what spirituality is about. It's not about when things are easy and everybody agrees on everything or thinks they do. It's when we also learn, that, oh man, there's a different perspective. I'm not sure I like that. This makes me feel uncomfortable. That's where the growth happens. That's where the, the rocks that are rugged are made smooth together. You've heard us say things like, acceptance doesn't equal agreement, and this is what we mean. We know there's people that won't agree or see eye to eye or come from the same perspective on this, but the conversation is so important, and we want to stand with Jesus on the things that matter to Him. Uh, we, we have statements like, you can belong before you believe. That's, that's what we're talking about, is you can, you can learn to experience and explore uh, these ideas, even ideas that you might not like or have offended you in the past, and learn how to appreciate people with other perspectives um, and give dignity to other human beings. And this is how we do community. You've heard us say before, it's not us versus them, it's us for them. In a world that's trying to draw lines between people, brothers and sisters, it's not us versus them. It's not Democrat versus Republican. It's not police versus the black community. You can be for the black community, learning and standing with the black community, and for peace officers and police officers. Um, the world wants to pit people against each other and, and put people in opposition. We need to hold up the ideals of every institution. We also need to be able to talk about areas where we fall short. I love my marriage. I love my wife. But at the same time, I know I can grow and I know that our marriage can continue growing and developing. That doesn't mean that I don't love my wife or my marriage if I'm wanting to do things to grow and develop that. This is where we want partnership, not just partisanship. 
We're a church that believes in partnering together for the good of the community in any and all institutions. That's why we believe so strongly in highlighting the callings of each person. Whether you're an educator, if you're a, a peace officer, a policeman, a policewoman, if you uh, are someone who's a stay-at-home mom or dad, if you are in any sector of society, Jesus has sent you to be an agent of transformation, to love, and to transform that world. Um, we had a, a, a friend named Keith share his heart, and he has a calling in his life. And part of his calling is to share about uh, the black community and to share about his experience as a black man in our world. And we want to give that voice, just like we give voice to other people in their callings, to express the diversity that comes together in unity in the kingdom of God. The, the way of Jesus is a third way through the this or that. It's a third way moving forward in love, learning how to love people who think differently, have different callings, some people who might um, be an enemy. We love. The kingdom of God is never more powerful than when people come together in unity. People come together in their diversity and they, they appreciate and they are grateful for the callings of others. When someone's calling, which is in maybe seemingly opposition, but it's just different then, when someone's calling uh, can lead to appreciating another person's calling, that's when the kingdom of God is dynamic. Friends, we need to work together, we need to listen together, and we need to build the kingdom of God together. Recently, I got to have a conversation with a leader in the black community. Um, and as we were walking together, and I was just listening, I learned that when the slave trade first started in America, there were places where the communities didn't have enough room to house and store the slaves being brought over from Africa. And so what some communities did was they stored slaves in the basement of churches. So on Sundays, while you were having white preachers preaching about the freedom in Christ and white uh, church members singing about the freedom and liberty in Christ. You had the sounds and moans of slaves below. We're in a real cultural moment. I think there's an opportunity to learn and grow, or there's an opportunity to have a religious veneer that covers the voices of those who are being oppressed. Friends, Self-centered religion has been a fertile ground for racism and the sin of partiality. And may the way of Jesus and the voice of Jesus free us to see the ugliness and to be part of the redemption and restoration of all people together. Breaking news concerning the U.S. economy. Official figures the show that more than one of the hit is Right now, God is shining a light on some dark places in our culture, and that is creating a lot of that tension. And we've been looking at Jesus as our model. Our, we are centered on him to learn how to walk through that kind of conflict, how to be peacemakers 
in that kind of tension and conflict. And peacemaking isn't just like the absence of conflict and it's not conflict avoidance, it's not ignoring, it's, nor is it igniting things unnecessarily. And peacemaking doesn't just freeze, it doesn't just fight, um, and it, it doesn't just fall away. Um, we've been looking at what we're calling the judo of Jesus, um, showing us a, a third way, another way forward in this, in this mess. Now, judo, the way we're talking about it, is the art of turning force meant for harm against itself and into something good. And there's no better picture of that than when Jesus died on the cross and converted and turned all of the hatred, evil, anger, racial um, anger and evil, partiality, turned all of that into our salvation, into our good. He converted wrath into love. Now, Romans 12 gives a great snapshot of the judo of Jesus. If possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. Are we doing our best to be peacemakers? Don't be defeated by evil, but defeat evil with good. I think that's so important. Don't be defeated. Don't just be a pushover, um, but stand up for the truth. Stand up in the light of Jesus and with Jesus and for the things that Jesus cares about. But we know that we don't defeat evil with more evil. We don't defeat hate with more hate, uh, rage and malice with more rage and malice, but we defeat evil with good. And we've been looking at a story with three characters. Jesus, a man named Simon who's a Pharisee, and a woman who is considered a sinner. So the scene is this, Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's home, Simon's home, enters the home, and a woman who would be considered uh, maybe a prostitute or uh, someone that has social stigma and shame and is at the bottom of the heap, heap begins worshiping Jesus and weeping, and it's an embarrassment. And Simon the Pharisee sees that as an embarrassment, sees that it's bringing shame on him, and he actually says this, he says, um, she is a sinner. And Jesus, knowing his thoughts, says, Simon, let's have a conversation. And then a, a conversation of transformation occurs. Um, and we've been talking about learning the judo of Jesus, and there's seven moves that Jesus teaches us. Um, the first three that we learned last week are, they, are these. So the first thing we learned was about turning moments of division into moments of dialogue. Uh, contempt kills the conversation. And Jesus uses this moment to start a conversation, a dialogue that transforms people's lives. Number two, we learned about turning reaction into reflection and then action, slowing things down and slowing our, our judgment down. The third thing that we learned is about turning an enemy into a teacher. At this point in the story, Jesus says to Simon, do you see this woman? Not the label that society's put on her, not the label that you're putting on her. It's so easy to just reduce someone, demonize someone, and, and, and make a caricature of them and, and write them off and draw the lines that separate us in society. And Jesus begins revealing the division that Simon has in himself. Divided people divide other people. And I want to ask you, do you see 
the people in your life, the annoying family member, the annoying friend that posts all those things, the person you disagree with, the person you dislike even, maybe people that you have disdain for or have disdain for you, someone that you might consider an enemy. Do you see them? Realize their story. Know where they're coming from. Do we, do we take time to, to actually learn from somebody who might be seen as an enemy and let them become our teacher? And realize and take time to learn what their story is and think what they might be going through emotionally and, and operate on a deeper spiritual level. Now, we're going to go into the next four. Number four, turning the moment into a, a mirror. Jesus turns the moment into a mirror. He says to Simon, I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss in your household. Maybe that's not as normal to, to kiss everybody that comes in, especially in COVID-19. But in this day and age, it was, it was an insult not to greet, hug, and kiss the person who came in. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with honor. He's saying, you didn't show me any honor. You were embarrassed of me. You, didn't, you were intentionally dishonoring me. And, sh- and this woman has done nothing but honor me. And he's holding up the mirror to Simon and his actions and his life. And it's so easy in our world to judge how bad someone else is and never hold the same standard to ourselves. Simon sees how bad she is. He doesn't see how bad he's been acting, how poorly he's been acting. He can see how good he is, how righteous he is, and he he can't see how good she is, and he can't see the righteous actions she has in her life. I don't know moment one time. It was a mirror moment. Uh, I was actually teaching a class and we had a bunch of new people and many of which I didn't know. And this new guy named Michael Hart uh, walked up to me and kind of interrupted me. And I was like, that's kind of rude. And I kind of was like, why is he interrupting me? He's like, hey, I want you to look at my phone. I have this really cool, uh, this really cool article I want you to read on my, on my phone. And I was like, no, no, I'm teaching. I'll look at it. It's like, no, no, look at my, my phone. And I was like, this guy is so rude. And I uh, finally looked at it uh, because he wouldn't leave me alone. And, it, and on his phone, it said, uh, your fly is down. <laughs> and I had been teaching this class with my zipper down the whole time, and I had no clue. And he was actually trying to be kind and not embarrass me in front of the class. And I was like, I was like, this guy is my new best friend. All of you haven't said a word and have let me just go on embarrassing myself. Uh, and this person had the guts to, to hold up the mirror and tell me the truth. Um, we need people in our lives to hold up the mirror so we can we can see those moments when uh, we've got a blind spot, when we're not quite right or we're coming in too hot, too angry. Uh, and Jesus turns this moment into a mirror. When was the last time you allowed somebody to hold up the mirror so you could really see yourself and not just judge other people? Number five, turning the truth into transformation. Often we want to turn moments into a trial, like Simon wants to put this woman on trial and, and send her home, get her out. And Jesus, he, he wants to take the truth of this moment uh, and, and use it for everyone's transformation. Um, it says in Luke 7, therefore, I tell you, her sins 
which are many, are forgiven. And just stopping there for a moment, Jesus acknowledges her sins, doesn't ignore that she does have some problems, doesn't just uh, condone sin, doesn't you know ignore it. He, he calls it out. Yeah, she has sins and there are many, but they are forgiven. For she has loved much. She understands God's grace. She understands the, that I'm, I have grace to give. But he who is forgiven little loves little. He who is forgiven little loves little. Like you don't understand grace. You don't understand forgiveness. You don't understand love if you don't love big, if you don't give grace big, if you don't forgive big. You don't, it, it reveals that your heart is not received because it's not giving. We can't give what we haven't received. And Jesus is actually giving a moment for Simon to receive more love than he's ever received and be able to give more love than he's ever given. God uses the truth for transformation. Jesus does that here. And Jesus is giving the truth to Simon. He's, he's standing with the broken, the downtrodden, the, the lowest in society, the ones who are forgotten, the ones who have um, had discrimination and prejudice. And Jesus is standing with her in gracious love and truth, wanting the one who is showing partiality and discrimination, wanting that person's transformation as much as hers. And Jesus' grace is for everyone. Number six. This is the move of turning fury into forgiveness. Do you guys ever have fury? Do you guys like see the message, see the thing, and just, oh, what do I do with this anger? And, and, and the Bible doesn't say like never be angry. The Bible says be angry and do not sin. Like don't sin in your anger. Don't say something, do something that you'll regret. Calm down. And so uh, the, one of the most amazing moves Jesus teaches us here is to turn fury into forgiveness. And Jesus says in Luke 7, 48, and he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And he's, he's just said, her sins are many, but she's forgiven. Your sins, he says, are your sins are forgiven. Simon needs forgiveness just as much as this woman who's offended him. Simon faces a choice here. And we don't know in this story what he chooses. We don't know what he does, but we know he has a choice. Will he choose fury and continue to be incensed and indignant? And uh, how could she? And how could he in my own home lecture me? And are you, he could just be totally self-righteous. Or he could let go of the fury and choose forgiveness to receive forgiveness from Jesus for his actions and his dishonor and to give forgiveness and grace to this woman who has offended him. What will he choose? Will he let go of his pride? Or will he choose the new way, the way of Jesus, the Judo of Jesus? Number seven, it's the last one. Turning exclusion into inclusion. Do you know that when you become part of Jesus' church, his community, you are part of the family of the forgiven? that no one's perfect in the family of God. And if you come to church and you look to church to find some perfect people, like you're not gonna find any. 
And I'm so glad because that means like I can be part of this because none of us are perfect. Last week, we, we remember that, that it's so easy to want to just draw lines and write people off and kind of like go to our corners and find our, 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 uh, our teams with our, our biases that confirm our biases. Um, but we have to remember that the line of good and evil, it cuts through every human heart. None of us are perfect. We all need healing. We all need growth. So turning exclusion into inclusion. Watch this. Then those who were at the table with him, all these other people who are friends with uh, someone in the upper class, someone in a, in a class that's easy to be on the top of the heap of society. Then those who were at the table with, with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Like, that's all, God can only forgive sins. And, and who is this who would allow sinners to sit at the table and be part of this? And what is this about? Who is this Jesus? And then Jesus says to the woman, I love this, your faith, your trust has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus brings peace to the situation, um, brings peace to, to Simon in this house, and brings peace to this woman. And all of it looks like a lot of conflict to me. Because in the middle of conflict, that's where the Spirit of God is wanting to bring peace. And you have to get through conflict to move toward peace. So how do we, how do we follow this, this judo of Jesus, especially in, in turning exclusion into inclusion? And I think it's we have to remember the unlikely nature of the church. People who should never naturally be together, people who are natural enemies, who naturally disagree with ideology, with background, with history, uh, ethnically. Um, there's all these people that the world would say they should never be together. And yet they're worshiping together and they're at the table with Jesus together. And if you look at Jesus' disciples, when he, when he created this band of ragamuffin disciples, it was this, this group of of different backgrounds and different race and different politics and social and economic backgrounds and all brought together and included into the family of God. So how could this band of misfits, people from all these different backgrounds and, and in opposition with each other at many points in their lives, how could they be brought together in this inclusive, radical inclusion? the judo of Jesus, the love of Jesus. You know, Jesus had a follower named Matthew who worked for the Roman government. And he had another follower um, named Levi who worked against the government. He was a zealot. He fought the government and they were both on the same team. Do you think there was tension in the followers of Jesus? Do you think that they were having to work through their own sins and their own baggage and learn how to love and forgive and speak truth to each other? You bet. And they were there. Here's the hope. They were the they were the hope of the world. Like people are watching this misfit band learn how to work it out, and that gives hope to a world that there, there's a way forward that's different than what the world offers. Let me ask you: Can you be part of a, a community that has Democrats and Republicans and even libertarians? Can you be part of a, a community of Jesus that has uh, meat eaters and vegans? You have meat eaters who say barbecue is the language of love. And you have vegans that say that that's the language of death. 
Can they be in the same church together, the same community? Can you have people of totally different backgrounds, totally different ethnicities all together under the banner of Jesus? Who gets in? Who doesn't? We're, we're a community that says Jesus decides and he, he died for the whole world. Welcome to the family.